So, we are looking at Hebrews 11. We've got uh, this week and next week left in this passage. Uh, Hebrews 11, today we're looking at verses 23 to 31. We're going to see some more examples of here's what it looks like to live by faith. Now, question for you. What do you suppose the most terrifying words your child could say to you are? Those of you who have the privilege of parenting, what are the most terrifying words your child might say to you? One mom this week said this, the most terrifying words my children have ever spoken are these, Mommy, I want to do everything you do. Then she wrote this. She said, remind me of this. With every decision, generations will reap what I sow. Parents, what an incredible privilege and responsibility we carry. See, one of the themes that we're going to see in the passages we look at today is this. That our actions, what we do and how we live, has a significant impact on future generations. We're going to see that in the examples that we look at today. For those of you who haven't been here, and a reminder for those who have, very quickly, the book of Hebrews is a book written to suffering, persecuted Jewish Christians who are tempted to turn back. Life seemed to be a lot easier and more smooth, didn't have as much suffering in it before they turned to Christ. And so the temptation is, well, maybe we should go back there. But the big idea of Hebrews is this, Jesus is better Jesus is better, so rest in Him as you press on together in faith. Don't turn back. And so we have looked at this little illustration that I drew, and again, if I knew I was going to show this every week, I would have done a much better job, but that's what you get, okay? And so so this quick illustration of how the, the people that we're hearing about in Hebrews 11, they're the people that are living over on this left side of the cross, right? That they have, in some cases, heard of God's promises, in some cases have received God's law, but they're living by faith, looking ahead to the promise of the Messiah, who has not yet come. Right? And they are, according to verse 2, commended by God because of their faith. They, they, They receive God's commendation and not condemnation because of their faith. The recipients of the letter of Hebrews are living just on the other side of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, okay? So they probably don't have, they don't have all of the New Testament available to them, but they are on the other side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and they too are commended by God as they live by faith. We have kind of an added advantage to them that not only are we on this side of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we also have the whole New Testament available to us. We've got all of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, all of it pointing to Jesus so that we would be people who, like them, live by faith and are saved by faith. Now, today's message is by fear or by faith, because you're going to see that the people that are the examples in the passage that we look at today have lots of reasons to live by fear. And I think it's on purpose, then, that the author of Hebrews writes to persecuted Jewish Christians who also have lots of reasons to live by fear. And you might look at the world around us today and be able to sympathize with them. Certainly, most of us are not enduring great persecution as Christians, but you might look at the world around us and say, I have some reasons to live by fear. We're going to be encouraged in the passage today to instead 
live by faith. Here's the big idea today. We look to Jesus so that by faith and not by fear, we will take risks, we will endure suffering, we will obey God, and we will receive salvation. All of these come by faith. So, you have a Bible with you? We're in uh, Hebrews 11, 23 to 31, and our custom is that we stand as God's Word is read. So if you're able to do that, would you please stand? I'm going to pray first, then I'm going to read the Word of God. Father, thank you for your Word. We need to be built up. We confess our faith is weak. We confess that it's easier for us to live by fear and make decisions based out of fear. But God, I pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit working through your Word, now help us to seeing these examples become people who live more by faith than by fear. In Jesus' name, amen. God's Word. Hebrews eleven, twenty three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome the spies. Amen. You can be seated. As usual in your bulletin, a spot for you to take some notes. And again, if you are not in a life group, don't ignore that life group guide. This is a great opportunity for us to not only hear the Word of God, but to work at allowing the Spirit to apply the Word of God to our lives. So that's there for you. In that outline, you'll see that the first point is this. By fear or by faith, the first example we have is the example of Moses' parents. It's all in one verse, just verse 23. I just read it. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So you see already right there this kind of contrast. They, they were not afraid, and instead they lived by faith. So not by fear, but by faith is how Moses' parents led. Now, in each of these cases, I would love to spend lots of time on each of the stories, but the author of Hebrews doesn't spend lots of time on each of these stories, and so I'd encourage you to go back. The people that are reading, hearing this for the first time, they would have remembered all of these stories, and if you have been a student of the Old Testament, you too might remember these stories, and if not, you can go back and read them. They're there in your Bible. This one is in Exodus chapter 2. But if you went back to Exodus chapter 2, you would see the context that, that what was happening here in this case was that God's people were living in Egypt, but not very willingly. They were living there as slaves, being mistreated by the more powerful and rich Egyptians. 
to the point that Pharaoh had made a command that every Hebrew baby boy be killed. So you read at the end of Exodus chapter 1. And so when we get to Exodus chapter 2, we're told that these two Hebrew parents had a little baby boy. And according to the king's edict, this baby boy is to be killed. But instead of being afraid of the king's edict, and by disobeying this, probably not only would the baby boy be killed, but probably others in their family as well. But they're not afraid of the king's edict. Instead, they live by faith. And so for three months, they hide their little baby boy until they recognize they can't hide him anymore. Then you remember what they did. They make a basket, uh, seal it up, put it in the river. uh, And that basket is then found by the Pharaoh's own daughter. And, And Moses gets adopted, taken from his biological family and adopted into Pharaoh's family. Kind of an incredible story. And this is all done because his parents are living by faith. Not afraid of the king's edict, but living instead by faith. And so I want to keep going on, but I also want to make a quick note, recognizing that a lot of us who are here are parents. And I think there's some application in this for us. See, as parents, we need to choose to trust God with our kids. In the world that we live in, because we look at the world around us and we see, oh man, this world is so scary compared to the world I grew up in. It's easy to parent out of fear, isn't it? It's easy to parent out of fear. And so when we parent out of fear, what happens, a number of things happen, but one thing that happens is we kind of aim really low for our kids. We look at all of the threats and dangers out there in this world, and so what we want for our kids is we just want them to stay safe and out of trouble. Right, which is a fine thing for us to want as parents, but I think we're aiming far too low, and that's what one of the consequences of parenting out of fear, that all we really want is in this dangerous, scary world for our kids to just grow up, stay safe, and stay out of trouble. We just want them to be healthy. Uh, We'll get them involved in all sorts of activities so they're just out of trouble because we just don't want our kids to be in trouble. What does it look like to parent not by fear, but by faith? Here's a quote I came across this week uh, that I thought was really helpful. It says this, as parents, we need to confess to the fear that causes us. Here's what, what fear does as parents. causes us to try to do God's job. When we get fearful as parents, we try to do God's job. In our inflicting of guilt. In our instilling of fear, our controlling by manipulation, we may well be trying to produce what only God can produce as He works to change the hearts of our teenagers. What we need to do is trust His work as we seek in restful faith to be instruments of change in His redemptive hand. See, when we get fearful, we start trying to do things that really only God can do, and we fail to do the things that God calls us to do. Some more stuff that you could chew on with that, but we've got to keep moving because we want to get through the rest of the passage. One quick note, though, is this. It is a scary world, and, and I don't want to be a parent who lives by fear, but I think one thing that fear can drive us to and one thing that can build faith in us as parents is praying. Just recognizing that we do all sorts of stuff for our kids because we love them. We want to protect them. We want to care for them. We want to provide for them, which is good. But I think I'm convicted of this, that I don't often enough just pray 
for my kids. That as a church, we need to more often pray for our kids. So tomorrow night, once a month, we get together anyway for about a half hour on a Monday night. That's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. I want to focus that time of prayer tomorrow. For anybody who comes, we're going to just pray for kids. And if you're like, you're, the idea of like a group of people gathering is really intimidating to you, the way we're going to do it, we're going to break up. And so, uh, so we're going to be in smaller groups just praying for kids. You know, if, if you just want to pray with one other person, that's fine. If you want to be in a smaller group, that's fine too. But come and pray for our kids tomorrow night at 7, whether you're a parent or not, because our actions, what we do and how we live, has a significant impact on the next generation. True for Moses. But recognize that Moses could not live by the faith of his parents. His parents exhibited faith in doing what they did. But Moses couldn't, like, ride on the shirt tails of his parents' faith. He didn't just, like, inherit that by being born to them. No, Moses had to grow up and become a man of faith in God on his own. And we see in the next verse, that's what happened. Moses was also a man who lived not by fear, but by faith. Verse 24 tells us this. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, so this all happened when he was a little baby. Now, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is significant because imagine if you've got kind of an option, and one option is, the people, the family you were born into, your biological family, they're poor, oppressed slaves. And the family you've been adopted into, you've been adopted by the Pharaoh's own daughter. You have access to riches and wealth and power and comfort that your people that you were born into would never have. So, I mean, think about yourself. Which would you choose, right? You get kind of like, wealth, influence, power, or you get slavery and oppression? Which one are you going to choose? What does Moses do? By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What did he do instead? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses certainly didn't have it all together, but he had it together enough. God was at work in him enough for him to recognize that I could spend my whole life chasing what other people chase, but all of that pleasure that I would get from sin is fleeting. That's going to go away. And so Moses, instead of getting all of that which he had access to, he chooses most of the other people that were of his heritage. They didn't have a choice. They were born slaves. They were going to be slaves. Moses was born a slave, but he got adopted into this royal family, yet he chooses to leave that royal family, and instead of identifying with them, he identifies with the people of God. Verse 26. Interesting verse, because it says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Interesting that the author of Hebrews tells us he considered the reproach of Christ. Now, now would Moses have known Jesus by name? Not at all, right? There was just glimpses of promises that God had made prior to Moses' day. But by faith, he is considering the reproach of Christ even greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. His eye is on the reward, which ultimately is Christ himself. 
And then it says in verse 27, by faith he left Egypt not being afraid. So here again we see that contrast of fear and faith. By faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. And how did he endure? So Moses willingly chooses suffering. Why? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now we looked over this as a family last night. One of our kids was like, how do you see somebody who's invisible? Isn't that kind of like the like he saw him who was invisible, right? Jesus at this point is invisible to Moses, yet yet he was looking ahead and by faith, in effect, sees him even though he is invisible. Looking ahead by faith in the promises of God, which will ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus. See this example of Moses? Isn't this good? And so as I was just sitting in this this week, a couple of applications came to mind that I think are really helpful for us. We see Moses choosing suffering and identification with God's people over the pleasures of sin. Here's one thing I was thinking of. We have a lot to learn about suffering, don't we? I mean, our normal reaction to any kind of discomfort, inconvenience, or suffering in our life is that we try to avoid it. Let's get away from that as quickly as possible. Is that what Moses did by faith? It's not what Moses did. Moses, by faith, chose suffering. How did he do that? It says, rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, Moses, refusing to be treated as though he were what he was, a a son of the daughter of Pharaoh, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. I think we have a lot to learn about suffering. I do anyway. Maybe you guys got this figured out, but I got a lot to learn about suffering. I love modern day examples like I just shared about Don and Jan. Of Here's what it looks like to live uh, by suffering. Uh, I love, I've just heard uh, more recently about Johnny Erickson Tata, who you might know of because she was in an accident, paralyzed as a teenager, so has lived her entire life with chronic pain diagnosed with cancer one time, had surgery, now diagnosed with cancer again. I read somewhere that her desire now is that she would suffer well for the glory of God. You know, a lot of people, their their first reaction is, I want to be healed, and God's going to be glorified if I'm miraculously healed. And can God be glorified in that way? Yes, He certainly can. But God can also be glorified when people endure suffering by faith. That's what Moses chose to do. We have a lot to learn about suffering. We also have a lot to learn about the privilege it is to be a part of the people of God. Did you notice what Moses was doing? It was so important to him to be identified with the people of God that he was willing to give up all the treasures of Egypt, all the rights and comforts that came with it. He was willing to give that up in order to be identified with the people of God. And this is a bit convicting when we recognize that for us, we often aren't even willing to get out of bed or give up a ball game rather than to gather together with God's people on a Sunday morning, right? Those things might be inconvenient. So we, we, we give up very little in order for ourselves to be identified with the people of God, to gather together with them. And here Moses is willing to give up all of that. And so in that way, he's an example of what it looks like to live by faith. Moses is also a good example 
of what it looks like to choose Christ over comfort. And you know, Mo- Moses needed to see, and I think we need to see, the one who is invisible. We need to see him as greater. If you, don't, if you think Jesus is just kind of like this get-out-of-hell-free card, if you think Jesus is just, you know, the cute little baby uh, that, that we worship and think about and have nice, fuzzy, warm thoughts about on Christmas, if you think all that's, that's all that Jesus is, and you don't see Jesus as the greatest treasure, then you will not make choices like Moses made to give everything up because you don't see Jesus as the greater reward or the greater treasure. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. That's what it looks like to live by faith. You choose Christ over comfort, and we choose faith over fear. We choose faith. I mean, Pharaoh was a scary man. For Moses to look at, this man that had all this power, and Moses right off the bat, he told God, I don't want that job to go talk to that guy. He's a scary dude. I don't want to, and and God equipped Moses with what he needs, including Aaron, to go along with him to do this work. And the situation for Moses does not look good. We choose faith when we look not at the scariness of our situation, but at the Savior who we can't see. That's what Moses was doing, we see in these verses. We go ahead to verse 29, because now... Just like Moses couldn't ride on the shirt tails of the faith of his parents, Israel had a good, faithful leader in Moses. But they couldn't ride on the shirt tails of his faith. They needed to have their own faith. And so now we're told of these instances that we can read about again in the Old Testament in Exodus 14 and Joshua 6. First, from Exodus 14, we're told of the faith of the people. Remember the story of how they were being pursued by the Egyptians. They had been set free. Huge mass of people standing at the edge of the Red Sea. How are they going to get across it? What does God do? Brings the waters up and the Red Sea dry land. And it says, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. Right? Do you imagine like the faith that it takes to walk through that? Like to, to walk through, the, the water must have been walled up high on both sides, knowing that if, if that water comes crashing down, you and your whole family are dead, right? But here they go, walking. I mean, do you think, would you have been the kind of person that just like, just, just doesn't even look to the side? Or would you have been like the person that's like, wow, the whole time you're just kind of looking back and forth, like, I can't believe we're really doing this. I don't know what type you would be. But here the author of Hebrews says these people are people who live by faith. That's how they crossed the Red Sea. The Egyptians, they couldn't ride on the shirt tails of, of the faith of the Israelites because they went in, and without faith, what happened to them? They were drowned. But by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. And then from Joshua 6, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Again, you hear a command from God, walk through the sea. Whew live by faith or by fear you kind of hang back like i'm scared of water you hear the command from god just march around this city there's armed guards probably sitting on top of the walls i want you to march around you know what your weapon's going to be a trumpet all right i mean you get that that's what we're supposed to do god we're supposed to obey you're going to live by faith or by fear 
Are you going to be one of those people that goes and marches around an armed wall with a powerful city inside armed with a trumpet? Is that what you're going to going to do? Well, you do that when you live by faith and not by fear. So, see that in those two verses and again some application for us. We need to choose obedience as God's people. We need to look at our circumstances and our commands and be led by faith. Because it's easy to look at our circumstances and the commands that God gives and choose to live by fear. God commands us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded. That's a command that we have. And it's easy to hear that command and start making excuses as to why I'm not really engaged in that work. And many of them are traced back to the fact that we are often led by fear and not by faith. Love to see ways in which our congregation, our church, has been led, I think, by faith. The fact that, I mean, today I'm the only pastor here because Pastor Stan's on vacation. But we added another pastor. When we could look at and be led by fear, we could have we could have looked at the circumstance and be like, okay, we just had to spend a bunch of money repairing a parking lot. Um, a lot of people that are in this area eventually move out of this area, and not as many people are moving back in. Uh, we, could, we could look at, you know, there's not money in our budget for this right now. And we could kind of be led by fear and just say, I, I guess we just can't do that. But I love the example of how our congregation together uh, made the decision, we're going to live by faith, that God is going to provide for us in such a way that, that we are going to then generously give uh, to this work that more and more people might be equipped to make disciples who make disciples. And, and through that act of faith, God has given us an incredibly wise and skillful second pastor. We're so grateful for that. And that comes about by living by faith and not by fear. Final Example in the passage is an unexpected example. Because up to this point, all of the examples have been the people of God, uh, Israelites. Okay? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, Abraham would have been called an Israelite because they didn't get renamed that until Jacob. But you, you get it, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We got Cain before that. Uh, no, Abel, I mean, not Cain. Abel before that. Uh, all these examples, right? And then we get to this verse, verse 31, and you're probably a little bit shocked as to who is held up as an example of living by faith. It's, it's not an Israelite. It's a Gentile. And it's not a man. We've had other women so far. We've had Sarah as an example. But it would have been shocking that this is a Gentile, that this is a woman, and her job was not the kind of job that you would normally hear associated with. This is what it looks like to live by faith. Here's what it tells us, verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. See, the other residents of Jericho were disobedient, rebellious, pagan sinners, as Rahab assumed, presumably was as well. But the difference between all of those who would be destroyed and Rahab, who would be saved, is that Rahab lived by faith. And that faith was shown in her welcoming the spies. So this one that you would think, well, if anybody's too far gone, probably a woman from Jericho, a pagan Gentile, 
working as a prostitute would probably be in that category, yet by faith, she's the one who did not perish. And so, final application. I think some gospel application here. Is that one thing we recognize from this is that no one is too far. No one is too far. Rahab wasn't too far. You're not too far. That person that you've witnessed to over and over again who seems to just be living their own life, enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, they're not too far. All of us can look to Jesus and by faith receive salvation. I skipped verse 28 earlier. I've got to go back to that really quick. It tells us there that by faith, he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. You remember this? That they were told to sacrifice a lamb and take the blood of the lamb and cover their doorposts in it. And all those who were covered by the blood of the lamb would not be destroyed. They would be saved, though others would be destroyed. All of that a great picture, isn't it? Of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came, born to a virgin, laid in a manger, growing up and living a sinless life. He would be the lamb who would be sacrificed, who would be put to death, so that all who are covered by his blood, by faith, might be saved, even though those around us would not. And then, of course, the example of Rahab. A great example of the fact that, that those who might think that, oh, but you don't know me, I'm, I'm far beyond saving. Oh, you don't know this person in my family or that I work with, they're far beyond saving. That's a lie, that's not true. Because we're not saved by our works, we're saved by what? Over and over again, we're saved by faith, right? And so here's what my hope is for us, church. My hope is that we would be people who live not by fear, but by faith. You're right. In this world, there's much to be fearful of. But we look to Jesus, and by faith in Him, we take risks, don't we? Like Moses' parents, we we take risks, maybe in our parenting. Parenting by faith and not by fear. That as we look to Jesus, only as we look to Jesus... Can we, by faith, endure suffering like Moses chose to do? That we as a church would recognize that only when we're looking to Jesus by faith will we really be compelled to be obedient to God, giving our money, giving our time, giving our lives to make disciples. And that we, by looking to Jesus in faith, would receive salvation. That's given to anyone who, by faith, comes to Jesus recognizing that it's only by His blood that they can be given access to the Father. Right? And when we believe that, we hold on to that by faith, that changes the way we live. Not just us, but it's going to have an effect on future generations as well. So church, let's be people who live by faith. I'm going to close with prayer as the worship team comes to lead us in a closing song. We're going to sing at the end about... Uh, another promise that God has made, and that promise is that Jesus, who came once, is coming again. And we look forward to that during this season, so we're going to sing about that. But let's pray together, and I'm going to begin by uh, reading a prayer that's written out in poetry form that I think is 
really helpful to get us to look to Jesus. And so let's pray together. Lord, you did everything required to save us and to bring us into your presence. So to know you and behold you is our heart's desire. There is nothing higher. There's nothing greater to acquire. Holy, holy, holy is the song of the choir. Your people sing your praises, gathered from all the nations. We were chosen to be holy and blameless before the earth's foundation. And it's only on the basis of your glorious grace. And we'll never grow tired of gazing upon your face and falling before your feet, worshiping at your throne. Your appearance appearance is like carnelian and precious gemstone, like nothing we've ever seen. Your glory never fades. The Lamb of God who was slain to wash away sin's stain. We were ransomed by your blood. Your loss was our gain. And you live forevermore, Lord. Forever you will reign. The King of all kings, name above every name. And everyone who trusts in you will not be put to shame. God, I pray that that would be us. That we would be people who by faith would continue to look to Jesus, even though we would have many excuses to live by fear, that you would equip us by your Spirit to gaze forever at Jesus, see him as eternally better than anything else, so that we are not turning back, but that we continue to press on in faith, seeing him who is invisible to us, but who we see evidence of the work of all around us in so many ways. We long for him to come again, just as you fulfilled your promise and sent him the first time. We trust in your promise to send him again, and we long for that. Help us to long for that even more as we sing together now. In Jesus' name, amen.